This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Guys, welcome back to another Planet Legacy podcast here focused on habitat management. Yes. Land management, hunting strategies, and all things land. I think that's what we say at the beginning, right? Something like that. It's, it's been, been about a, two years since we updated it. It's been, been a while since we updated and then uh, been a while since I've listened to one <laughs> to remember exactly what it says. But it's, some, it's something close to that. Yeah. Well, we've got a cool little podcast today. Yeah, kind of jumping along and going with an updated uh, podcast. We had Mr. Will Russell on back in the fall. He had a great... A great hunting season. That's right. Up there in central Pennsylvania. And he sent me, recently sent me a updated aerial image that um, was done in 2021 maybe or 2020. But in the last year and a half, most likely, uh, a new satellite or aerial image for his farm. Um, and it's a pretty drastic difference between what it was even two years ago. Well, and, and let's paint that picture for those listening. When did you go and visit Will originally? I believe it was three years ago. Three years. I think it was 2019. And it was cold and it was in January. I'm saying three years ago because it was, it's been three seasons. So yeah. I, I was there and then I was there again. And then this year makes three. Okay. So. Okay. So, I was there twice, but yep. I haven't made it out there this year. You weren't there this year. You were last nope. year after following up some work. So, basically. And, and the reason I was there last year is because they're in a, the, the, you know, I think it's it, it, for landowners that can find that time or that gap or shoot to gap kind of deal where it's like things line up to where I can get a lot of work done in a short period of time. And for them, Rob had... Good timber prices. Yeah. Who lo- uh, Rob is the uh, is a, a neighboring farmer friend or and friend yep. and neighboring landowner who's a logger owns a timber company and they are logging in the area. Yep. So when they found pretty good prices, they started hauling lumber out of Will's place and out of Rob's place. Both farms have been heavily logged. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was there. Rob talked about on his farm, hey, you know, I feel like I've, I've cut a decent amount of timber, but if you tell me to cut more, I'll cut more. And I said, let's cut way more. Yeah. We know that the deer population is high. We know that woody browse and winter stress kind of go hand in hand. As that's the most stressful time of the year is late winter, early spring. We know woody browse is most important. That's why we don't see young forest regeneration. So we're going to hammer 
And that's common throughout Pennsylvania and the Northeast is yep. just very little young forest and uh, a lot of Midwest. <laughs> yeah, in the upper it's, upper it's Midwest, true. and but yeah. um, that that's extremely common there. That balancing of extremely close canopy, very tall canopy as well, and yep. then high high deer density numbers. Um, yeah, so you kind of had to battle that. So basically, a plan was written three years ago. Began to develop it, and then you went back and because said, of the fact that, like I said, there was like more money to be made. They found the right prices. Rob was in the area with his equipment, yeah. So they started. You know, it was one of those where Will's place about 165 acres uh, that he's that he's managing there, uh-huh. and they found the ability to manage pretty much the whole six 165 because mm-hmm. um, most of it's timbered, and so. They moved rather quickly and covered a large amount of acres. So I went back the next year just to make sure they were on the right direction. Totally. Before before they really brought in some yeah. additional big guns and made a lot of large improvements. And so <coughs> I basically gave them a thumbs up. I said, this is great. It looks great. I'm seeing huge response. I can't wait to see more. Yeah. And so they kept to it. And mm-hmm. now here we are. Um about one year, year and a half removed from all logging being completed. Yeah. Um, so his entire place got logged um, with a lot of micro clear cuts or young uh, bedding thickets, as we call them, put in. And I will differentiate between the two with a logging operation versus what we do manually with just chainsaws. Because there is, is a difference. There's a, it, there's a subtle difference, but there is a, definitely a difference. The outcome can be similar in, in, in a few years of developing but it's not the exact same when you run a chainsaw, drop trees, hinge and a little stay. bit. Yeah, and, and that structure stays yeah. versus a clear cut. You have to allow that structure to grow back and develop itself. So I was there, and this property has been transformed radically. And so uh, it's interesting. I mean, it was, uh, like I said, it's one of my favorite projects that I get to work on. Um from the standpoint of we actually we weren't fighting time fighting finding a logger trying to bend over backwards to make to make it work yeah because they knew what we wanted Rob was right there and they made it happen and the aerial image I mean Matt you you explain what you see on the aerial image of that place I see diversity very quickly anyone looking at the images on social media, you can easily see that, wow, comparatively speaking to the neighborhood, there there's not only clear cuts everywhere, but in between the clear cuts, there is thinned areas. And, and then there's varying degrees of that thinning, whether it's around the edges of some food plots or just it looks like they may have gotten to a good seam on, on some portions of timber, cut it a little bit harder. Um, but then you then you go another, and I'm just going to be guessing here, 50, 60, 80 yards, and you're you know back into getting close to a, another bedding cut. Um, and, and so as, as I'm looking at it, it's just, it's just so apparent to me that this farm... It stands out in an aerial, and if it can stand out in an aerial, plant-wise, it's almost going to be magnified exponentially 
when you get there on site compared to everything else around. You know, like when you see a, uh, um, you're you're doing your e-scouting whatnot and you're looking at stuff over like, oh man that that probably does man it just looks different it just is it's got something there yeah well this one is just hello holy cow but whenever you get back on site again it's just always about boots on the ground yeah this is going to be miles ahead of anything surrounding this area because of the intentional work that was done it's it, again it's not just haphazard of what we're leaving, why we're cutting, where we're cutting, how we're cutting it. It's done. And, and what I applaud them as, as a group together is if they found the right logger. Luckily, sure, it's, it's a neighbor who also is, is like-minded from you know managing his property in a similar way. But when you have the right people at your disposal whether it's a contractor, forester, or logger, get the work done. When they're there, make that impact. And obviously, in a matter of three years, transforming this property into what it is now with this update, I haven't even been on site, and I'm excited about it. And so I can only imagine being there to see it in person. It's that much more eye-opening, shocking but also reveals, let's say, the potential of the Northeast. Because yeah. you, you can drive all the way across the state, and, and Pennsylvania is a big state, and, and see probably very, very few sites or indications or, or just portions of acres that would resemble what's here on what, this place. What, you, it's, it's what you'll likely see acres. is you'll see clear cuts, and you'll see timber operations going on yes. in the National Forest. But what you'll see are massive clear cuts you'll see 30, 40, 100-acre clear cuts. Yeah. And this is why I, I feel like so many guys can – we get a little bit overwhelmed or feel like we can't relate to certain things. It's like you can do exactly what the <laughs> – I wouldn't advise this on a regular scale or on a uh, – I wouldn't, I wouldn't give this advice to, to many people saying, oh, whatever the government's doing on the public lands, do that on your own. Right. Because that's a scary thought. Um, most of the time, you're going to wind up doing nothing. But um, you could look at those and say, okay, clear cuts, got it. Thinning the forest, got it. And then you try to put that on your place. You're like, ooh, how do I do that? Like, I don't have – I'm going to clear cut the whole thing? Nope. We're just going to shrink down the – change the scale. Correct. And so a lot of these clear cuts are less than three acres. Mm -hmm. Most of them are in that one to three acre range. That's what I recommended. And – I mean, you look at the map, and what I see is, like you said, major diversification. I mean, it, the, you don't have to go very far anywhere on that map to see some sort of change in the in the canopy. And I know everyone loves the word when it comes to, to whitetails or just managing wildlife in general. Oh, I know what they, you're going to say. They just say, just oh, look at all that edge. I know it. <laughs> and it's like, it's not about the edge. but but yeah. But for instance, for those who want to play that game, Look at all the edge. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it is now everywhere opposed to neighboring properties where we might see a clear cut or a loading dock or a little bit of pasture ground or a little bit of ag field in and around there. Yeah. It's 110% different. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, I, I, I hope that this visual provides people with that example of. If you will, I don't know if we've ever actually used this term 
um, to describe maybe what it is we preach, what it is we do, but but the management and the intensity is is essentially a, a paradigm shift for the most of what everyone sees as a recreational property. Yeah. There's a difference between a recreational property that people go to and hunt and enjoy. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But there's a a difference between a highly managed recreational property. They're not just a managed property by nature of going and hunting it. It's a managed property by doing activities like this and completely diversifying, fragmenting, managing the natural resources that are growing there. Because it's not like they just went and cut the trees and dropped them. No. What what I see when I see when I when y'all look at that aerial image is I see clear cuts. I see like you can kind of make out roads now that satellite images with leads yeah. on. But most importantly I guess the comment that I would make is somebody made money. Oh yeah. And somebody I mean, I, I don't want to toot my own horn. But in this but case anyway. if I saw that I'd say like, whoa, Somebody made some money and somebody knew what they were doing. Yeah. Because they made some habitat that I can really hunt. Well, and, and again, think think about this too. I, I think I think we're we're seeing this all across the country in, in many different areas. Yes, land prices are increasing, but the amount of recreational land buyers that are out there is absolutely increasing, and the exchange of hands from. You know, just family-owned farms. They're not farms anymore. They're hunting properties. That's that's changing. But if if I want to stand out and get X amount of dollars per acre above what the neighborhood is typically seen, and I have an aerial photo that looks like every other property, why is someone going to pay extra? But when I see that attached to a listing, if he ever does want to sell, oh man, I am. I am, all I am calling everybody I know and saying, let's go see that. Yeah. Let's get on the ground. We need to see this. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? If you're not excited, clear your schedule. Let's go. Yeah. And yeah. and that's where we talk a lot about the terminology because if somebody says, let's just say that the listing says with scattered clear cuts, 95% of people are probably going to be like, nope, clear cut's a bad word. Mm-hmm. I mean- it, it might as well be a list of words you can't say, uh, of curse words. It's like, no, 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 no. We don't do clear cuts around here, boy. Um, yeah. And, and I, you look at that one, and I'm like, oh, man. This one is set up to a point where you can clearly see the difference. Like, I should send you the, the other satellite image of what it looked like a few years ago versus what it looks like now yeah. because there's really no difference between his property a few years ago and um, with the surrounding – neighborhood other than he's got food plots right out in the middle of it yeah which yeah, yeah. is he, about what most people have he had including openings. my own farm in places because we haven't done a timber harvest because we haven't done major big scale logging right and i think when you look at that i say okay somebody made money somebody improved habitat the other thing i'll say is as much as i love satellite images and we rely a ton on satellite images. Yeah. They don't tell you the whole story. No, no. And the like the the e scouting thing to me is a little bit like, yeah. Throw some do- throws throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and hopefully something sticks. Yeah, well, ho- As in ho- hopefully throw a ideas. whole bunch of areas 
on at the wall and say, hopefully within these twenty, I'll find three good ones. Yeah. When I look at when I look at this this property, if you blindfolded me and kicked me out of the truck November first and said go kill something, and you gave me the map and said here you are, I'd be like, okay, let me test the wind direction. All right, I've got a plan. I've got a pretty good shot yeah. at seeing some deer here. And that that's I think we we talked about it on a, on a recent podcast too of I want to be able to find and hunt the habitual spots. But these habitual spots are are strongly indicated by the fragmenting of the resources that are there. It's not like this habitual spot of, oh, there's a big white oak there that generally drops acorns. Well, generally dropping acorns from year to year is a wide spectrum. That's not a good spot. No. What we're talking about creating are spots that daily or throughout these, during the hunting season, deer walking this path. Like it is that consistent because of, again, the resources that are offered on that property in this specific region, you can, you'd be able to hunt the tar out of that place. And I guess what I don't know, because I haven't seen the the uh, original, haven't studied that one much, but talk to me about the road system that was in place and now how the logging mm. has increased the road system and and then therefore increased the accessibility. And then when you were laying out the features, obviously topography plays a, a, a role into all this, but you were obviously mindful of, okay, they'll be able to come here, but to get here and clear cut this, they'll have to have a logging road here. So like that's, that's where our thought process are as we're helping landowners develop plans, but kind of walks through that whole scenario of having a logging operation, because that's one of the added benefits of not yeah. only making money, improving the habitat, but accessibility and the management, the follow-up management is drastically increased by having a, a, a good road system. Yeah, um, that's a great question. So when I laid this out, when I first toured the property, there was a road that meandered its way through the interior of the property. Like food plot to food plot? Like food plot it? to food plot, yep. east to west, Entrance okay. to entrance. So you can enter in. Let me look and make sure I get my directions right. You're towards. But your southeast entrance. Yeah. So you've got an entrance um, along the southeast, or I guess it's the southern part. And there was a road that kind of went up along the eastern side, meandered its way through. And then it, you had another entrance to the... Um, kind of the very north side. So it's a, it's an interesting okay. shaped property, but you came in from the fields in the northwest and meandered your way through, and you can see two food plots, a big one and a little one. One's kind of north. The big one's northeast of the smaller one, which is southwest of there. Um, if you see those two, basically from there, it meandered its way down and ended up tying in with the very sa- southern point. Mm-hmm. That other now, big green food plot. Yes. Yeah. Now there's a food plot or a road that goes in in the south side and it runs all the way along the eastern boundary to um, basically he has access 
Um, he has access to the south, uh, to the I guess the west side mm-hmm. um, from a from a road that comes in right towards the end. So he can get in along that, yeah. that western edge um, a couple different ways, and so he's got a road all along the western boundary now, and that and he also has a road all along the northeast boundary that goes along um, the the perimeter as well as the southeastern side. So mm. he's got a road all the way around. Yeah. That's that's killer. And now and then so he's got that and then he's got expanded some of his already uh the roads that were already there and has kind of tied them in with skitter trails. Yeah. to where there's a whole system of roads interior which is travel patterns for the deer going from one clear cut oh, to sure. the next or one to the food plot. So what I like to see and what we laid out here is places where he could use the perimeter that's paralleling another road or use the perimeter and find a spot that's in between two bedding areas where the road kind of bends in and it's like, let's say, 50 yards paralleling the the perimeter road to where he can walk in 30 yards and be hunting another road that he never walked on. How many times do you see guys in timber country? I've been extremely guilty of this and even did it last year in places because my farm is not quite up to up to it yet but how many times do we go down a road and then turn around and hop up on it and we're hunting the road that we just walked in on oh i shot a I sh- I you shot, did the same I shot thing a deer off of or a couple yeah. deer off of it and it's year. not ideal no what but I dr- it's what we're forced with and and so until you get a logging operation and yep. strategically laying out you can set up to where you use those roads the entire year but during hunting season, you kind of bounce off of them and use your perimeter more. That's and I, ideal. And I think that our situation of, of saying and being completely open and, and clear about it, have I hunted like that? Yes. Would I manage, in, uh, if I had full access to it, to manage it, would I manage it in that way? No. Has it been successful? Yes. Yes. Could it but, be more successful? Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah. So that that's that's kind of what we're saying in that in that magnitude. And and I know that this is kind of a a bold statement, but again, as I'm as as we're just you know developing thoughts and getting into the the, the podcast, like uh, I'm just I'm reminded, I guess, about like let's say our brand. And I'm not patting us on the back. This is this is Will Russell, his work, his dedication, and commitment to a habitat management plan cuz cuz you never cut a tree on this property, right? No. This this is their work. However, I was This is coach. a this is this is this is a legacy property, right? Oh, yeah. Like this, if if we're talking about again leaving a mark on a farm, there's a <laughs> and this is again not a bad thing, guys, but it just is the truth of the matter. There's a lot of people who are recreational landowners who love and are tied to the land, but if they sell it tomorrow and they look back over the course of time and ownership, they cannot see a change. No. And that's the, maybe not the, everybody's The new goal. landowner got rid of their feeders and let the food plots grow up in weeds. Yeah. like Again, that may, be, that may not be their goals. However, if that is your goal, then, then this aerial imagery right now is, is essentially a trophy in my opinion, to say that's what we're shooting for. Yeah. Like that is the example of what can be created when a plan is ex- 
created, followed through with, and executed. And having the right logger that will implement it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think this is something that you'll hear us because the logger's supposed to roll back in on the prairie hollow. Well, I don't know why I call it prairie hollow property, but because we don't call it that anymore. But um, logger's supposed to move in on our farm uh, this next week. Hopefully, yep. I'm guessing we're going to be a little bit delayed because of the rain. But um, well, that's right. That is this week. A logger's supposed to roll in, and our property is going to end up looking like this. And yeah. this is one of those things where I think loggers have a bad reputation. Um, to a lot of people because of bad management and bad business years prior. And it's like now everybody just talks bad about loggers. But if you were trying to find ways to entice a logger, let's say you don't have the amount of timber value that they find needed to come to your property or like you get bumped down the list because it's like, yeah, you really don't have a lot. We're going to do that when we're when work is slow. Yeah, yeah. When all I'm trying to do is just pay my guys. When I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to pay my guys and buy some time. Timber prices aren't great because, you know, if if timber prices are great, I want to go where I can make a lot of money. Yes. But then whenever they're not so great, then I'll come cut your place kind of deal. It's essentially busy work. Yeah. So these micro clear cuts or smaller clear cuts is a great way to Im- diversify your force, improve entice. your huntability, entice a logger into on your farm to say, hey, I've got 150 acres and i know most of my you know there's big sections where you're not gonna you probably don't want to cut them this isn't but what if but what if i gave you 20 acres of clear cuts and they say oh really okay throw that in the throw that in the mix you know maybe we can make some more money on let's say uh scrag logs or pulp wood or depending on what term block timber Mm -hmm. it depends on where you're at or what logger depending on the term but Maybe cut some of the lower-valued stuff, really open up that forest, improve my habitat, and in the meantime, entice him just to get to the property. Because we work a lot of properties across the country, and one of the biggest complaints we get when it comes to timber buyers and selling timber is, I just don't have enough to bring them here. Oh, that's so common. And it's like, okay, well, let's try a different angle. I want to get Let's give them walnuts, too. Yep. Let's cut more aggressive on the black oaks, or... Better yet, let's lay out some clear cuts and let them take, you know, there's a couple of places on our farm where it may end up being a four-acre clear cut or a five-acre clear cut because we know it's all junk, and I just want a fresh start. Well, and I think I think that's that's a very tough determination for a lot of people to make um, is, is going to an area and saying, this needs a fresh start. Like, yeah. And being confident and comfortable by saying that, and um, that's why there are professionals out there. But... That's the that's the need in in a lot of places. If you don't have a lot of timber value, but your timber is overstocked and is at an age where, again, if it was appropriately stocked, you'd already be having a timber harvest. Well, consider being aggressive. Consider going outside of the norm. And again, you're just getting more sunlight in from the wildlife side of things. I'm looking and saying, winning, awesome, one hundred percent. And but you do need to sometimes be creative um, in in working with a logger. Um, to, to do that because I, I, again I'm, I'm looking at this property I'm saying this is not a dig at all on forestry well not on foresters themselves um, but again this is the difference between to all the landowners out there emphasis on timber management versus emphasis on wildlife 
And so you can have a forestry management plan developed and written for the property, but if you're not clear with your goals on what you want to see happen, you quickly see where the timber through the eyes of the forester becomes that top goal. And so that plan and, and or a timber sale is written not to produce that acre or, or enhance that acre for the wildlife benefit, but for the timber benefit. But here, when I'm looking at this photo, I know that place has been logged, but I can also tell you that a forester didn't write the plan that the logger followed. Yeah. That's not a typical deal right no. there. That is a wildlife plan that a logger executed and looks like a freaking cool job. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, that's not the typical prescription in in a forestry plan. And so although we're managing although a wildlife plan addresses timber, it addresses it differently in a in a different management style than a forestry management plan talking about the exact same resource. Yep. We're doing different things with it. And again, a lot of times you're going to entice a, a, a logger with a wildlife cut if you're willing to be aggressive like Will, you're going to be able to, uh, to get him there. Yeah, absolutely. And then one thing about that is uh, I like to break down each and every one of them. Or, or kind of the, the difference in the two. But if you look at this farm three years ago, you'll see three food plots, mm -hmm. three holes in the canopy. Everything else is a green forest yes. when you're looking at aerial image. 80 to 100 feet above yeah. the ground. Yeah. And so it's just like, okay, that is a a lot of trees. Homogenous. And now you look at it. And there's, I think I counted 17 different openings. Teehee. <laughs> I mean, like, I think now there's five food plots yeah. in the timber. So it is anywhere from six to eight acres. Uh, previously, there was 165 acres yep. with maybe eight acres of food plots. Maybe. Probably more like, let's just say five to ten. for. You say right now or previously? Previously. Okay. Now there's probably... 8 to 15 acres of food plots. I'd mm -hmm. say it's probably somewhere around 10 to 12. Okay. Previously, there was no young forest. Yes. Now there's roughly 20 to 30 acres of clear cuts. And if you uh, I, I and would, if you look at that map. I'd say I'm, I'm hanging on the 30. If you tried to bounce around and, like, stick your finger on the map and then start trying to move it, you don't have to move it very far, and you're running into food plot, running into skitter trail, running into clear cut. You're running into something that's not what your finger started on. If you stuck your finger and you started it out if in a clear cut, and you said, okay, let's move it to something else, you wouldn't have to go very far, and you'd be back into thin forest. It's more of a woodland. So picture each and every acre of this farm has had thinning on it. Yeah. And so thinning, and it was a pulpwood thinning. So there's a paper mill not far down the road. Right. So they were able to cut a lot of the junkier timber and haul it to the paper mill and leave some really nice young trees. Sure. Really nice white oaks that are 16-inch DBH. Um, 
and just uh, and I was trying to think rock oaks as yeah, they call yeah. them up there, all over the place, and and you've got major timber growing right now. Like, give it 10, 15 years, and there's going to be another phenomenal timber harvest. Sure, sure. And so I know some of you guys in this town don't like that paper mill, but <laughs> guys like Will and Rob, they're loving it because making money and improving habitat. And so you look and, at the, And still growing timber. It's, it's, yeah. it's a renewable resource. Yes. Um, it's so one it, of the most over- looked renewable resources in my opinion in the country i'll i'll, I'll second that there yeah. should be i mean when you look at renewable resource and everybody wants to talk about clean energy and i'm like we need to be looking at thinning forests managing forests because what happens when you cut it it grows back yeah we're talking we're talking about forest faster faster than it was growing most likely yeah um, there, there's room there's less competition um, there's more resources allocated to the individual trees that were left. And, and when you have that ability to um, have a mill close, the, a paper mill that will take pulpwood in a hardwood situation, you can, you don't have to take the best and leave the rest situation. You can take medium to, to subpar type trees yep. and, and utilize it for, for the benefit. But that's... If if we were to look at this map and and blow it up on a let's say like a heat map of wildlife activity, there would be so many red centers on the clear cuts food plots, but there wouldn't it wouldn't ever fade back to like no activity on the farm. There's always going to be this melting of red hot spots into orange and maybe some yellow, but never beyond pale yellow because it's also good it's also usable i think a lot of people could look at their place and say well i really only see deer in a couple a couple good spots yeah. consistently there's not a spot on this farm that'd be like i don't want to hunt there from the standpoint of like region this region right yeah, yeah like yeah. i wouldn't care to hunt the east the northeast the northwest i wouldn't Shoot care no. to hunt any of it Shoot because no. There's a food plot. One, two. So there's a food plot in the south part, in the southeast part, in the, let's just say the east part. There is a food plot in the, um, he actually, his dad owns just north of west of here. So there's a food plot just over on his dad's mm -hmm. that's keying in on the bedding areas that are cut along the, on the northwestern line. So you're saying his dad's a leech? No, <laughs> he still hunts his dad's, yeah. Actually, his dad's the one his who dad hunt, hunted with him this year. Yeah. The first time they've got awesome. to, like, experience. Go listen to that podcast. It's a great story. Um, and then there's food plots right in the center, center part. Then there's bedding areas all around. So it's like you're pulling deer to these, to, these, uh, to these food plots and to these bedding areas where it's just a very sticky property. Deer don't want to leave it. You, you want to get me And to that's how you get deer of older age class. Yeah. Don't let them leave when they're young and dumb and get killed by a neighbor who's got uh, great goals. They're shooting bucks that make them happy, but they don't meet up with your um, your ideas. That's how sure. you do it. Just hold them on your place longer. Or or, or during the times that they are uh, running around like crazy during hunting season, attract them to your property at, at the very they're, least. I'm if sorry, you can't guys. Hold them. The allergies are, are rough here right now from, from – 
moving cows and Johnson grass and pasture fields that are just full of pollinating grasses. But yeah, keep them on your place and don't let don't let them get killed. Um, and and even so, if you look, you can see some you know boundary roads, especially on the western half, and you can see like okay, well there is a cut. But there's one, a big one, right out in the heart of the property that's like, that one might be kind of hard to get to. It's not there to get to so you can hunt it. It's, it's, it's there to hold deer. Centralized, right right smack dab. So when they get up during daylight hours and they're moving throughout your property, it's on your property. I'm building a hotel that houses a lot of deer. I'm not building a home that houses a few, a few deer. Yeah, for sure. And, and I want to centralize a lot of that, um, a lot of that movement and activity. I want to put Main Street in the heart of mm-hmm. the property. Um, no, I, I I think it's I think it's thinking awesome, um, and and it's cool to see. I think we're probably as as more imagery updates and everything start really uh, updating themselves over the course of next few years. Uh, there's going to be a lot more properties that we'll be able to say. Let's take a look at this one now. Whoa. Let's take a look at this one now. It doesn't look like anybody else's in the neighborhood. And that's what you're going for. You want it to look... What I was going to say about the aerial images is it's it's great to scout. Like, I love scouting from aerial images. But it's kind of hard to tell the difference between an oak-dominated forest versus a maple-dominated sure. forest. It's hard to find a mass-producing oak versus a beech tree. It's hard, but you key in on terrain. That's the thing about this satellite image that uh, that is kind of the highlight of this week. You can't even see the satellite, uh, or that I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get another photo from the landowner to get the topo. that has the topo on it, so you can see kind of the reason why they're in those places. Sure, but at the end of the day, um, it'd be very hard to scout out this property three years ago and find where to hunt. Ba- totally. You'd be just taking well, guess. Well, here's, here's... Honestly, the only thing that you would be hunting is topography features. Or food... Close or to food, food plot, plot, right? But there's but, no bedding. And but, you can even see just on this one the, the major difference between even areas that's not a clear cut versus the neighbor. Absolutely. That's what it's, I'm saying. You could see, okay, this this was thin timber. Um, and it's, it's clear as day. And that's... That, again, is... The definition of these habitat features, the vegetation types, when we're talking about the hunting strategy behind all of this, and we'll, we'll get more into that late summer as we start rolling closer to deer season, but I'm not making my hunting decisions based solely on topography. I'm doing it on deer behavior and food resources, native food resources, and supplemental food resources, and topography. Again, the e-scouting game is cool, but I need to know what's growing out there. And and beforehand, it was just closed campy, so the only resource there would have been hard mass producing trees. You, you can't determine that, like you said. But now, I've got a clear indication of, well, that's young forest. Well, there's managed thinned forest. There's going to be mass producing trees in there, most likely, or at least herbaceous and some woody sprouts and brambles. Um, I got a lot of places I can hunt right here. Yeah. If you want something different from everybody else's, literally you have to create it. Yeah. You have to execute. 
I, and, I think and that there's that executed. joke that says, if you want to outcompete the neighbor, neighbors, outfeed them. Okay, come on. That's not a very good strategy. Outcut out them. <laughs> if you want to outcompete the neighbors, have more food plots. Yeah, come on. Yeah. You, just because you can have more food plots, that costs a lot more money. How about this? Make it so drastically different than the neighbors that you can see it from 30,000 feet. Yeah. And, or and, however high it is when they take these photos. And, and. I guess it's way higher than 30,000 feet because it's a satellite photo. So, well, no, however high still... up that, that, that satellite is from the ground, that's how different your property is than the neighbor. So you can see it from space. <laughs> yeah, but you can zoom in. <laughs> <laughs> it's technically in space, the satellite. The satellite is. They've yeah. got really good cameras. Yeah. Whatever. My property's so different than yours, you can see it from, that from NASA can see it. Wrap your head around that one, rocket man. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, all this to be said, they did this, and it's clear you can't you cannot discount what they've done and you can't say it's not good for wildlife just by looking at the photo but they had a plan and they made money making habitat great that's awesome not many people can say that that they made money and made something that no one else in the neighborhood can compete with yeah that's that's a ship that I want to be on. No doubt, no doubt, and and I think over the coming years, when, like you said, more satellite images come out, and our neighbors are doing, or are not our neighbors, no, they ain't doing this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> They're not doing it, but our clients, clients. are doing it. You're going to see more and more changes to it, where it, this is a, not an in season testimony, but this is again that that legacy type testimony of that, that property is drastically changed, and by. For as long as Will wants to hold on to it, it's it's always going to be managed in this manner. That's pretty powerful. Oh, totally. Totally. And I hope more listeners are starting to want to do this kind of work. Because cutting timber is scary mm-hmm. to a lot of people. It's mm-hmm. even scary to me, I'll be honest. Longer we're, we're, get there next year, it's going to be pretty like next eek, week. Next week. We're eek. both sitting there thinking, well, have a, a logging operation looking. oh yeah you're talking about coming out to your place yeah and and yeah it's definitely going to look different but at the same time what are the end goals does it does it accomplish that yeah yeah get used to different isn't that a chosen line that is a chosen line yeah it is i would encourage yeah. all our listeners to watch oh, that too yeah. it's awesome but yeah. that is jesus on there says get used to different yep yeah i want to be different get used to different canopy. and get used to greatness yeah that's yeah. that and, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for Will. I'm even, I'm, I, I know our conversation last year, he said, Adam, I got a really good young, young group of bucks that I think made it through gun season, which is not common for his area. So it's like, <laughs> no, it's let's just wait and see. Can we grow Boone and Crockett's in central Pennsylvania timber, comp- timber country? Why, yes, we can we just have to let them grow and Do give them plenty of nutrients. Do you want to be that man, Will? Do you want to be that yeah. man? Here's yeah. your plan. And awesome. if you want to, call me. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. All right. Will, Guys. congrats. Thank you all for listening. Yeah.